I really do hope 2015 was a great year, and I really hope you're, you're stoked about 2016, because it's just going to be a great year. I am really excited about, uh, it's hard to believe, we've only been at this about eight months uh, here on the west side, and so it's just been an amazing uh, 2015, and uh, we were just in our prayer time at 9.30 this morning. Uh, wasn't the Christmas program amazing with uh, everybody that put in all that work, and we're so thankful? Yeah. That was a little underwhelming in your clapping, but let that go. Don't feel bad. Okay. Uh, if you were here, the only thing I was nervous about for the Christmas program was the, the lanterns, and Cars Park didn't burn down, so we feel good about that. So we're off to a great year. Let's pray, and then we're going to dive into 2016. Heavenly Father, uh, man, what a great year we've just had. Uh, Lord, we also know that uh, as uh, many of us look back last year, there are uh, difficult days, hard times. And so, Lord, we love it as we go into a new year that we surrender this year to you. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent us your son to die for us. Help us to live worthy of that calling. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray and all God's people said. Amen. All right, as we get into this year, this is actually, uh, believe it or not, one of my favorite times of the year. I, I've never liked New Year's Eve, even when I was a kid. I think it's because I knew Christmas uh, vacation was nearly over. But I love the new year. Because it's a time, first of all, to reflect on what God has done the previous year. But I'm a big goal setter, so I, I just love this time of year to always look forward. There is a word, though, that I absolutely hate this time of year, and it's the word resolution. Uh, I just don't like the word at all. Even though, to be honest, we're going to get in this. It's a great word. So I, I was watching some of the media and some of the things they made resolutions for, uh, and this is deep. So listen to this. Uh, here's one. I resolved to tweet less than 36 times a day. That's deep, okay? Uh, another media. I resolved to change my iPhone security code from numbers to the touched, you know, your fingertip. Really, get a life. Okay, here's another one. Uh, I love, uh, this is a good friend of mine. He said every year he has the same resolution. I resolved to never run a mini marathon, okay? Maybe some of you have that same resolution. But let's look at the word resolution and what it means. And then let's, let's hammer down what I think is a better word. The word resolution is the state or quality of being resolute. It is a firm determination. It is a course of action, determined or decided. It may be something like this. He or she made a resolution to get back in shape. Resolution is a great word. It is a great concept. It just gets really poor results. Now, let me share with you how poor of a result that word resolution uh, comes across, especially for Americans. Every year, uh, Americans make resolutions. This is from a Nielsen survey. 69% of the resolutions that Americans make, anybody want to guess what they are? Better health and what? Losing weight, okay? And that is a 75% failure rate every year. So every year, people make these resolutions. They get to the end of the year, and they say, why did I ever make that resolution? So this morning, I'd rather not talk about resolution. I'd rather talk about vision. I love Proverbs 29, 18, and this is the new King James Version. So listen to this. This is kind of uh, interesting. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Who even talks like that? But anyway... Where there is no vision, what? There's no hope. And where there is no vision, people perish. Where there is no vision, people lose purpose. 
The Hebrew word, interestingly enough, uh, for vision is the word chazon. You say it from like a guttural sound. So let's say that together. Chazon. Matter of fact, if you want a good chazon, I recommend that you go to Bacchetto's here on West 3rd. They have a great chazon. But in Hebrew, here's, here's what it means. It is a prophet's voice calling God's people out of a life of void and a life void of purpose. So as we go into this year, we want to set vision. And, and I, for years, I love this quote. Somebody said, uh, when they look at vision, uh, they think of it this way. They think of it as a goal. And a goal is a dream with a deadline. We all need goals. Uh, we don't need resolutions. We need measurable goals in our life. And we need to surrender to God. And we need to say, God, I want you to take my life as I approach a new year, and I want to draw closer to you. Years ago, when I was a senior in college, we had a, this a pretty, pretty amazing professor, but he was an older gentleman. Uh, he never talked about movies. And at the end of my senior year, he said, before uh, the summer break is over, I want every one of you to go see the movie, Chariots of Fire. Now, we thought, now, if he recommended it, it's really got to be a decent movie. Now, if you've never seen, some of you that are younger have never seen Chariots of Fire, I want you to make that more than just a resolution. Make that a goal to watch that because it is an, a, an incredible true story about a runner by the name of Eric. Some pronounce it Lytle, most say Little. But Eric Little in 1934 uh, competed in the Olympics and won a gold medal. And he refused one of the, his favorite race. He refused to run it because the race was on a Sunday. Now, what is so phenomenal about his life is he came from a family of missionaries that eventually went to China. Matter of fact, he died in China uh, with all the persecution of Christians. Uh, an amazing, an amazing individual. Now, here's what I loved in the movie. Um, there was this, to me, it was an epic scene where his, his uh, sister, her name was Jenny, said, Eric, I just don't understand you. Why do you spend so much time training? Why do you spend so much time running when there's the Lord's work to do? We're a missionary family, and we have a purpose to win the loss, and you're wasting your time out there chasing other guys in shorts, basically. Why would you do such a crazy thing? And I love what he said. I believe that God made me for a purpose, but he made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. As we go into this year, our mission is to experience God at a deeper level. I got to be honest, every year when I set goals, I've set the same resolutions that countless people do. Uh, I want to lose weight. Uh, I, I want to go to the gym more. And I make this whole list. Uh, my goal weight is this, and my goal this is that. And, and I thought as I was going into this year, very seldom do I set spiritual goals. What if our goal was this year... My number one ambition is I want to be more like Jesus Christ. Would we begin to change our families? Would we begin to change this town? If that truly was our mission, and if that is our mission, then we need to get back to the basics. So the first way we can experience God's love and direction, going back to the basics, is simply to get back to his word. Let's look at Hebrews 4.12 together. It's going to come up here if you've got your scriptures Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and spirit, joints 
and morrow it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Now here's the thing. So many people go into a new year and they say, you know what, this year I want to read the Bible more. Raise your hand if that's one of your goals this year. Or you're in church, you're going to raise your hand. Okay, so you want to read the Bible more, okay? But here's what God has done from the very beginning that makes it really hard. He gives us freedom of choice. We know that this is the living, breathing Word of God. And in that text, it's interesting. He uses this very graphic phrase. He said, it is the sword. And he, they knew exactly what he meant when he said the sword. Matter of fact, you remember in Ephesians when it talks about the armor of God and it says this is the sword of truth. Now, they knew physically what a sword could do. And that was a sword could do a lot of damage physically. And he said, I know this is graphic, but I want you to think of the damage that can be done with a human physical sword. And that's what God's word can do to your soul and to your spirit. It can penetrate into places that you can't even fathom, but you have the freedom of choice. You have to get in the word. So for just a few moments, let me give you some practical ways to get into the word this year. First of all, let's say you have really never really got into the word at all. Maybe we have some visitors today and you're thinking, I've always wanted to read the Bible, but I don't even know where to start. A minister I was listened to a few weeks ago had this suggestion, and I absolutely love it. He said, take one month and just read the same chapter every day for a month. Pick a powerful chapter and read it every day. So I recommend, here's a couple. You can either read Psalms 139 out of the Old Testament or Romans chapter 8. But for one month, just say, I commit to read that chapter every day. And God will blow your doors off. I'm just telling you, if you allow that one chapter to really get your attention every day, you'll be shocked at what God can do. Here's a way to draw closer to the heart of God. I did this a couple years ago, and that is uh, read a chapter a day out of the book of Psalms. Just say, I'm going to commit the next 150 days. By the way, if you've never read through Psalms, when you get to Psalms 119, it will take you a month to get through that one long Psalms. But I'm telling you, if you would just read a Psalms a day over that 150 days, and then to the side, just kind of write how God is singing out to you and crying out to you, I would love to hear from you because I got to tell you something. You're in for a, a deep, rich walk with God. And then as soon as you're done with Psalms, go over and read every day one chapter out of the book of John. And here's why. Psalms will show you the heart of God. And what John will do, it'll show you God in motion every day through Jesus Christ. So you read the songs of God, and then you get over to John, and you begin to experience Jesus walking on this earth and what love can do. If you've got your handout here this morning, all this is on there, but I, I uh, recommend that you check out Bible Gateway. And here's why. Bible Gateway has endless reading plans. But find something that works for you. But whatever you do, don't use excuses because God's word is too valuable. I know some guys that are very busy. Men and women have told me they listen to the Bible in their car. You can listen to the scripture on your iPhone. The bottom line is just keep digging into the word. Now, here's something that I absolutely love. In 1816, and when you were a kid, you probably played with these, uh, Sir David uh, Brewster invented the kaleidoscope. How many of you ever played with the kaleidoscope? Am I the only one? Okay. So now you can actually go to Kmart, $2, okay? Uh, and so uh, since Todd Edwards and Nicole are engaged, I'm going to give Todd this kaleidoscope. So there you go, Todd. You get that? But here's what I want you to think about when you 
think about a kaleidoscope. And here's what I love about what God's Word does for you. In the robotic writings, and I love this, uh, they have this tradition about the sacred Word of God. They said each word in the sacred Word of God has 75 faces and 600,000 meanings. Now, what do they mean by that? They mean that you may have read through the Bible. Let's say you've read through the Bible 50 times all the way through in your life already. And you may think, I don't need to read the Bible anymore because I've read it so many times. There's nothing new in the Scripture. First of all, that's ridiculous. The Bible should never get old in our lives because it always uncovers new truths, even with words that we've read time and time again. Let me share with you what I mean by the kaleidoscope of color in God's Word. Let me read, I think, probably the most familiar text in the entire Old Testament, and that is Psalms 23. And I want to share something with you from my heart, but I guarantee it's happened to you too as you've got into God's Word what I call, again, the kaleidoscope of reading God's Word. Psalms 23, verses 1 and 2. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along in the right paths for His name's sake. Let me pause there. In my 20 and 30s, I would always stop and I'd focus on those two verses because what it meant to me in my 20s and 30s was slow down. I was so excited about being in ministry that so many times I really wasn't connecting at a deeper level with God. I was doing ministry, but I wasn't clinging to God. So whenever I'd read Psalms 23, that's how it ministered to me in my 20s and my 30s. And then when I got into my 40s, verse 4 became cloud and clear. Yea, though I walk, read it with me, through the valley of what? Death. Because now I'm in full-time ministry, and now I'm going into hospitals, and I'm sitting in the room with folks that are losing loved ones, and I'm doing funerals, and I've lost folks in my family and friends. And all of a sudden, this verse takes on a whole different light and a whole different color. You see what I'm saying? Every season of your life, as you read God's Word, He opens up new layers, new colors. So I challenge you not to get in the Word because it's an assignment, or get in the Word because it's even a goal. You get in the Word because, honestly, it can change your life. And I hope you truly believe that, that even a Scripture that you've read a hundred times can still change your life. Matter of fact, have you ever gone through just a, any kind of a reading plan as you're going through there, and you've highlighted this Scripture? And I even put dates in my Bible of uh, places, and I'll read there, and I'm like, oh, my land, I've never seen that before. I've read that so many times. That's how God whispers in our ear and draws us closer to Him. But see, there's a problem. And the problem is, it's just so easy to make excuses. Excuses, and here's the three big ones I hear all the time. Number one, uh, men especially say this, man, I am just too busy to read the Bible. Here's another one. Uh, I don't like to read. I just don't like to read. And here's a big one. It's just too hard to understand. Now, I get it. How many of you have ever done this? You start a reading plan. You get pretty, uh, pretty good. You get through January. You read Genesis. And then Exodus, February, things are going great. March, Leviticus, what's going on? Okay, you, I mean, really. And, and then you just start, it's like, I just, I can't do this. And, and you've, you've got one of those thick read through the Bible in a year, and you're like, 
and a week goes by and you're just tearing, I'm such a wretch, you know, and then you put it on the shelf. So find something that is doable for you, but get in the word and honestly, quit making excuses. You can write this down from the theologian Don Meredith, uh, who is the guy from Monday Night Football, and this is his famous quote, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Quit making excuses. You know, God, I'd love to read the Bible, but quit with that. Knock it off. God's heard all the excuses. Lord, I'm just so busy. Then you're too busy, and I'm too busy. I mean, let's get back to the Word. The second way to really experience God's love and direction is prayer. Let's look at Philippians chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. And um, I will love for us here. Look at this one. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. I want you to think about this last year and how important prayer is in your life and how often we only pray when we're going through the hard times. So let me again share with you a couple of practical ways this year, hopefully to get into prayer. The first is um, what I call the 714 alarm prayer. Uh, in our life group last year, we were going through a book, a devotional, it's a 40-day prayer challenge by Mark Batterson, which is a, is a great way to start a year. But as we were going through the 40-day challenge, we all agreed to set an alarm on our phones. Uh, or if you're old school, you might even have the alarm by your bed. But at 714, when that alarm went off, we all made a covenant to pray for one another. And got to be honest, it was so neat. At 714, I would just see my phone light up and all these, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. So this year, even going into the year, I encourage you to find something where you can set an alarm that goes off, and when it beeps, you know, just pray. And I guarantee God will lay something on your heart that you need to pray for. He will lay someone on your heart that you need to pray for. Second of all, always set aside a time and a place, and always think of Jesus Christ, that no matter what situation he was in, how many times you read, and then he withdrew. Sometimes he went to a mountain. And sometimes he went to a lake. Sometimes he just withdrew from people. But he was constantly in communication with God. And then here's a huge one. Have you ever thought going into this year about intentionally setting aside times to fast and to pray? Now I want you to think about how hard that would be. Uh, what was the number one resolution that Americans have every year? Did you hear that? Diet. Because let's be honest. Can I have an amen on this? We love food. Am I the only one? Come on, I mean, amen. Yeah, we love food. And so here's, here's the situation. Have you thought about what would it be like if you intentionally said throughout the year, I'm going to set aside 24-hour blocks of time to fast. And I'm going to have a, a strategy of folks I'm going to pray for and things I'm going to pray for and let God get a hold of me. If you've never fasted, I want to challenge you to try that in 2016. And I got to tell you, it will make a difference in your life. Now, if for whatever reason, uh, you sit down with the physician and the physician says, you cannot physically fast from food. There's other things, trust me, that we can fast from that are very important. Uh, a few years ago, I, I did this with a whole group of guys. 
And I said, you can pick whatever you want to fast from. It can be food. Now, this was for three days, but you can fast from food. Uh, you can fast from, here's a big one, ESPN, the news, uh, the media. You decide. And most of the guys did men, but one of the guys, who was a college guy, said, I talk too much. I'm going to fast from talking for three days. And we all said, you might want to go food. You know, I, I'm not so sure. He goes, no, no, seriously, i got to quit talking. Uh, the reason I never hear from God is I, I always out-talk God. And I, so we're like, okay. Two days later, we got everybody together to see how it was going. He brought a whiteboard in. He hadn't, he hadn't broke his fast. And we'd ask him a question, and he'd write out the response. And I was just so proud of that guy that he realized, here's what I need to fast from. But make that a part of your strategy to draw closer in prayer by the power of fasting. Learn to be still. Now, here's the great news. This is amazing news. God wants us to draw closer to him. And he says that if you discipline yourself, you begin to get in my word, and if you begin to get on your knees, I'm going to provide you something that will light your fire like it's never been lit before. You know what that is? It's the Holy Spirit. God said, I'm going to send the Spirit, and I'm going to wake you up like you have never been woke up before. I love, I absolutely love first, or excuse me, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Now, I'd like you to write this quote down. If you don't have a pen, borrow one, but please, if you don't hear anything else I say, please write this down. This is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comforts the conflicted and conflicts the comfortable. The Holy Spirit comforts the conflicted, and it conflicts the comfortable. Now, what does that mean? Here's what I love about God. You're pouring through God's Word. You're surrendering to God in prayer, and His Spirit starts moving through your life. By the way, have you ever tried to explain the Holy Spirit to somebody who's not a believer at all? Okay, if you think it's hard to explain the, the force will be with you, try to explain the Holy Spirit. Because what the Holy Spirit does is it brings a surge that you really can't explain, but you know God is moving. But here's what happens so often. As God begins to move through our lives, He wants us all to overcome something. You know what it is? Fear. When you go into this next year, some of you, that's where you're at. You need to be comforted because right now you're battling conflict. Right now you are just so amped up with life that you just need God to wrap his arms around you and give you a peace that he promises is beyond understanding. And you're like, Lord, as I go into this new year, just give me peace. And you know what? He can. And I've seen it, I cannot tell you, so many times. I have been with folks going through major crisis situations. And I've seen God's spirit move where most people would be falling apart and I've seen them so calm, and I'm like, what in the world is going on? And it's just God's spirit. I shared with you before my mom, uh, which was an unbelievable woman of faith, and a few years ago there was a tornado, literally, that bounced over our home, and I called my mom from college the next morning when I heard about this, and uh, I said, Mom, what was going on? She said, you know, a tornado does sound like a train. I said, Okay, are you okay? It went right over the house. I said, okay, so mom, what were you doing? I was in my room reading the scripture. 
praying. And I said, did you take cover? No. If it's my time to go, it's time to go. When are you coming over for lunch? I'm like, whoa, what's wrong with you? I know you don't drink. No, it's God's spirit. God's spirit will bring a peace. You, you can't even fathom. So maybe that's where you're at right now. You hear all these goals. You're like, I can't take any goals. I just need God to give me peace, and he will bring you comfort. But you know, for some of you, you don't need comfort. You know what you need? You need a spiritual kick in the butt, and you know it. And God is going to conflict you, and he's going to work on you, and he's going to say, knock it off with the excuses. He's going to say, step up. And you know what? Thank God. Because don't we all, at times, need a spiritual kick? And maybe that's where you're at. But this is what God's Spirit will do. He'll comfort you when you're conflicted, and he'll conflict you when you're comforted. On the way out today, I just want to let you know that uh, we put together some, um, some goal-setting initiatives. We've also put together a list back there that has books that you may want to read, websites, apps, all those things just to help you. And I want to just close out this morning with goals for the West Side. And if you're a visitor here today, this is important because you need to know in these next six months, where are we headed here on the West Side? So I would love for you just to to get excited with me about the direction we're going. First thing is, and we just talked about it, we have a sermon series, and it's so much more than that, called On Target, where we're going to talk about how we can make a difference with our neighbors and in our community. And again, when you go out, talk to Ken and Marsha, it's going to be so important that we work together to help others. Number two is we're going to find creative ways to get to know each other. Um, We want to make a difference in in our community, but here's the deal. There's still a lot of you I don't know, and I know you don't know me, and you don't know one another. Would you agree? So we got to get to know each other. And so uh, not just fifth Sundays and picnics. Those are great. We're going to try to find more ways to get connected with one another. A lot of uh, folks, uh, parents of junior high and high school have asked me, are we going to work on developing a ministry to our junior high and high school? Absolutely. We're going to get all our parents together, and we're going to put a game plan together, and we're going to shake it up. But I just want you to know we're going to do everything we can to get to know each other. We're going to add more people to our existing teams. We have at least 11 teams. We all need to work to add to those teams, and we need to build new teams. Can I share a pet peeve? Is that okay? Okay, good. It's a new year. So here we go. I've had a lot of conversations, and folks will say, hey, man, it's when I go over on the east side, for example, they'll say, how are things going on the west side? And I always say, other than the preaching, going great. You know, they're People are responding, God is great, uh, and they'll say, is it true? And I always know it's coming. Is it true you have to tear down and set it back up every week? And I go, yeah, man, that would get old. And there's a part of it's like, yes, it would get old, my brother. You know? And there's another part of it's like, no, you know what really gets old is when people sit on their butt and they don't do anything. That's what gets old. So I want to say one more time, I cannot thank you enough that you didn't just come over here and just say, what's going on? You came over and you said, you know what? How can I help? And that's what we're here to do. We're here to help one another. And when we begin to help one another, then naturally we're going to want to help our community. So I am fired up about that. Another thing we need to do is we want to prepare our hearts for Easter. Uh, This is hard to believe. Easter is March 27th. So get your snow shovels. Um, But we're going to go through an amazing 40-day uh, there's a little, again, it's a one-page like devotional every day 
that has some challenges on it that lead our hearts to Easter, and I cannot wait for that as we go towards Easter. And then here's something that uh, you talk about buckle up. Um, we have a huge VBX, you know, on the east side. Well, this year, one of the things they want to do is they want to expand VBX, and the way that they want to do that is they want to do backyard VBXs, and they want the west side to be the first place to start these backyard VBXs. Now, how's that going to work? I don't have a clue. But I know one thing. There's a lot of kids out here, and they don't know Jesus Christ. And we're going to where those kids live. And I'm so excited because they're allowing us to take the lead on that. So those are just a few things in the next six months. Uh, also, my birthday is May 29th, so I'm going to mark that down, okay? <laughs> I want to close with this. Um, it's hard to believe, but this is actually a true story. It's been documented. Um, and a uh, pretty amazing man. His name was Larry Waters. Larry Waters woke up one day bored, and he read in the paper that the Army-Navy store was selling used weather balloons. So he started thinking, huh, what could I do with used weather balloons? So he bought 75 used weather balloons. He called his friends and said, meet me at my house. I think I put something crazy together. They met him, and they started blowing up at the helium all these weather balloons. He strapped them to a lawn chair. He sat in the lawn chair. They strapped him then to the lawn chair. You can see where this is going, right? Um, now, this is where Larry is very smart. He packed lunch. He packed a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, a BB gun, and a six-pack of beer. So he was ready. He was ready. He said, now, uh, release the balloons. Now, in his mind, he thought, I'm going to float 50 or 60 feet, and I'm going to just pick one balloon off at a time and slowly come down. What a day that's going to be. Well, that didn't happen. Um, they uh, released him, and he shot up, are you ready for this, nearly 16,000 feet. LAX, LAX <laughs> called in and said, a strange thing has been spotted. We think there's a guy strapped to a lawn chair, unconscious, with a BB gun and a six-pack of beer. Seriously. And they actually were able to rescue him. He actually, the good news, about two, 3,000 feet up, unconscious. He doesn't remember anything except when he finally got back down to the ground. Several thousand dollars later, they asked him this question that everybody would have. Why? It's obvious you haven't drank yet. You've got the beer with you. Why would you do that? His classic answer was, I just got tired of sitting around. Just got tired of sitting around. I hope as you go into this year, that's exactly where you're at. I just got tired of sitting around. And, and I want to pursue God, and I want to live at a deeper level with God. And as far as all these resolutions, I don't care about those. But here's what I do care about. I want to be more like Jesus Christ. And I don't want to sit around anymore. And I hope as a congregation that that's our theme. We don't want to sit around anymore. There's just too much to do. I'm proud of where we are, and I am fired up where we're headed. And I know some of you this morning, you need to make the most important decision of your life, and that's the first step to Jesus Christ. That's why every week we have what we call as an invitation. It gives you an opportunity to say, I want to know more about Christ.
Christ. Some of you may say, I want this to be my church home. We'd love to talk to you as we move forward, as we stand, as we sing.